in today's show. It's time to talk about what things I'm a little bit worried about before the NBA season starts in regards to fantasy basketball. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And make sure you are checking out Locked On, whatever your favorite team is. Locked On Celtics, Locked On Wizards, Locked On Chargers. Locked on Braves podcast for every sport, every favorite team. Uh, make sure you're checking those out at, at, in all platforms as well. So what I thought I'd do today, we are going to do a draft today, a real draft. It's the Locked On Championship draft is coming today. Not on this show, in a separate show. 11 category, uh, 12 team league, entry fee with prizes pre- pre- presented, produced, provided. That's the word, by uh, Trace and Chase, which I do encourage you guys to check out, traceandchase.com. Doing that show later on today. Um, what I'm doing today is the things I'm a little bit worried about heading into the season. So like, you know, I sit down and, and I do projections for every single player, for every single team, uh, constantly updating them. And then, you know, you, you see things in preseason, you hear things in the media, and then the season's going to start and you're going to be wrong on things. It's, it's, it's going to happen. Like, you're always going to be wrong on things. So there are things that I'm worried about. Um, you know, what, what am I going to, what, what could happen that does worry me that might l- give me pause for concern i guess with certain situations and certain players i think i've explained it enough i think you know what i'm trying to get to let's go for boston i'm a little i'm a little worried about the rock dj, rock DJ. um rob williams I, I the al horford covid diagnosis i think helps to to a degree because it, it just guarantees that he's going to start not that he wasn't going to start but his preseason hasn't been explosive. Like, we're not expecting him to be a 16-point-per-game guy, but he's averaging he's in like four or five points. Like, it's really low. The blocks are still fine. Field goal percentage is fine. But I'm not sure that he's going to take a gigantic step forward. And then I worry that if Horford is playing well, and Schroeder and Richardson and Neesmith and even Cantor, if they start providing good value off the bench, then Ime Yudoka can easily just say, well, we'll only play Rob 20 minutes. And then Horford will slide across or Cantor will come in. There are just other options. He hasn't sort of fully established himself. You know, I'm still, I'm still pretty, I'm still drafting him. I'm not like I'm avoiding him or anything like that. But I just go, oh, or well, maybe, well, how about this? Because there are other options as a coach, as Ime Yudoka, where you can say, well, I'll throw Al at center and let's just push everyone up. And Rob maybe is best suited to a twenty-minute night, a, a night roll off the bench. I think so. That, that's the worry that I have there with the Rock DJ for the Bulls. Is Vucevic? Is big Now, I guess the worry I have with Vooch is not based on necessarily what I'm projecting because I've been a little bit lower on him than others. But some people are reaching up and I'm going to take him at twelve. I'll take him at fourteen. But I think there. Look, last season was the best season of his career, easily. He fell off when he joined Chicago. I think he was thirtieth over the last two months of the season, 
And now he's got to accommodate DeMar DeRozan and Lonzo Ball as well as Zach Levine. I think that if you're taking him in the top 16, 17, you're real risk of getting burnt. And maybe you're not taking him there. And that's, yeah, that's fine. But yeah, I'd say there's a, a higher chance of Vooch finishing outside the top 25 than there is him finishing inside the top 14. I could be, obviously could be wrong on that, but I, I'm a little worried about maybe he takes a bit of a step back with some of those other guys there and it's Vooch that takes the biggest hit out of DeRozan and Levine. I think that is, that's my worry with him. I, it may be unfounded, but that's where I'm sitting with that at the moment. From a current bull to a former bull for Cleveland, Larry Markkinen. Now, I'm not, it's not that I'm worried about what Larry Markkinen's production is going to be because I've been on record quite a bit saying I'm not all that fond of Larry Markkinen as an NBA player and I don't think he's someone you should be looking to build around or anything like that. But the reason I say with Markkinen is if they say, you know, Jesus, we need shooting because Isaac Okoro, let's be honest, he hasn't looked good in terms of his offensive game, hasn't really taken any steps forward in preseason if they're worried about the fit of Allen and, and Mobley, which they 100% should be. It's why they should never have signed Jared Allen to that contract. Sorry, r- ranting. I do think the best combination is Markin and Mobley, just from a basketball perspective. But my worry is that they just so, get so desperate for Markin to, sh- to get in there and shoot. And the fact that they have to justify it to themselves that they paid him that much money that they reduce what Mobley does or they, they put Markin at the three. And that means Okoro moves to the two, and that impacts Sexton and Garland. Just Markkinen's presence on this team, kids cover your ears, can just fuck everything up. There's no need for him to be on this team with those other guys they got, but it could just screw around with Mobley, with Allen, with Okoro, with Garland, with Sexton. He can screw up so many different things. It doesn't mean that I'm drafting Markkinen because I'm not. I'm not worried about, you know, well, what if I'm super wrong on him and he plays 39? Oh, well, that, that doesn't worry me. It's like, is he go- are they going to play him at the expense of other players who they should be looking to develop and and get stuff out of because that would uh, that would concern me a little bit. Denver. I don't know if this is if worried is the correct term. Bones Highland. I've been really excited with what he's been doing. Right? I think he's going to be a rotation player. I have upside that I think he could start some games this year. Morris, Campazzo, Rivers, these aren't good players. I mean, they're solid, you know what I mean? But they're not like, we cannot do this because these guys are so entrenched and they're so awesome. So, yeah, I don't mind taking flyers on Highland in a 14 or 16 team league. I guess my worry is that it gets to it and we're in the regular season and Dr. Michael Malone's like, you can't trust the rookies. We have to play Austin Rivers' boring ass for 20 minutes. And that, that yeah, fly, it is only just going to be a fly, but that this preseason hype, I guess, around Bones won't end up being realized. I guess that's not that much of a worry, but it is something that I think is, um, it is something that I think is, is worth mentioning, as is a new sponsor, NBA Fanatics. Have you heard about prize picks? It is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know that you will too. Prize pick, prize picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Prize picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players, only recording a handful of minutes each game. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of, yardage, touchdowns, points, assists, whatever it is, even interceptions thrown for football. All of the all of the users that deposit, all of you guys that go and deposit and you use our promo code, you get a 100% instant match deposit bonus up to $100 if you use the promo code, which is just 
NBA. You pick between two to five players and an over and under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on your entry. It's just you against the projected number. So like like just throwing multiple guys in there, whatever their, their over-unders are, throwing them in, combining them, and seeing what you can come out with. Really, really good way to do it. Mixed sport entry as well. Pat Mahomes over 300 yards versus LeBron James under 30 points. So combine them together. That's how that's how flexible this is. The app is easy to use on the App Store. It's on Google Play. It's an award-winning app. You can make your entries in less than 60 seconds, and PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawal. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com and use the promo code NBA or go to your App Store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. Again, make sure you are checking out Locked On uh, Show in your local uh, market, whatever your favorite team is, whatever your... You've, we've seen plenty of the hosts. We had Locked On Pistons host, Kuka Heels. So if you're a Pistons fan, go download Locked On Pistons or subscribe or follow that podcast on YouTube and uh, in uh, regular podcast players. All right, let's now go on to the next worry, and that is the Detroit Pistons. Isaiah Stewart's foul trouble. Alf has been a little bit of a concern. Is that you, Mr. Stewart? Well, who the hell else do you think it'd be? Um, Get in here, you pair of flaming glass. Sorry, Alf. The, you know, I, I say this all the time, yeah. At the start of the year, Alf Stewart was like 120th ranking. Like, this is amazing. This is just great money. Like, you draft in there, you, you can't lose. But he's getting pushed up and pushed up. And guess what? Pushed up again. That if people start reaching for him inside the top 50, they're going to be disappointed. Like in the preseason, much like Rob Williams, his usage is absolutely non-existent. 13% usage is averaging 6 and 7 in 20 minutes. The 1.7 blocks is nice, but 53%, I'd like that to be higher. He's not really hitting threes. He can't hit free throws. He hasn't got a steal. He's got one assist or two assists through three games. It's been very underwhelming. So while you know, I, I always put that caution out, I think he's pushing too far. Don't make him a must-draft player, Isaiah Stewart. Like so many of these guys that get this hype up based on their really low ranking early on, don't go too high or actually cutting out value. And yeah, that's, I think, playing out here with Stewart. I'm also a little worried with Killian Hayes. Not only does he have a concussion, but he's got a dipshit coach in Dwayne Casey who could very easily play him 22 minutes a night so that Corey Joseph can play 30 minutes. Hayes has still hasn't, you know, it's, we haven't had the opportunity to see him in preseason do great things. He struggled most of the time, which is just in line with what he did from an offensive perspective last year. He's averaging six points per game in 22 minutes on 22% shooting, like terrible. He's not getting to the line. He's averaging two steals, and we have real confidence in that. But even though he is just a late round flyer, I was really confident on him coming into the NBA. At this point, it looks like I got that wrong. I, pretty clearly. I'm not giving up on him. It's 25 games that he's played. But yeah, I'm a little bit worried that maybe he just isn't very good at all. Let's go to the Warriors. And much like um, Isaiah Stewart, I'm a little worried about Jordan Poole. And I'll tell you why. Because he is getting hyped out of the ass at the moment. Because he was, not he was, he has been amazing in the preseason. 23 points per game. It's not coming on ludicrous, ludicrous shooting. I'm just looking for his three-point percentage, 40% from three. It is coming on 34% usage. He's averaging 1.3 steals with four threes. Like He can score a ton, and it's going to happen a lot early on while Clay Thompson is out. I guess my worry is that when Clay is back, you know, his drafting pool at 100 or 90, is it going to work out for you when he might be the 130th best player? Now, I could actually be, you know, I've got him currently as like the 100th best player, 
and a top 70 guy early on in the season, I could be low on him. He could be a top 50 player and end up being top 80 overall. But I'm, I'm just, with the fact that he's ranking and his ADP keeps coming in and keeps coming in and keeps coming in, um, I, I worry that there could be some, um, you know, oh, he was the guy you had to grab and now look how shitty he is. Yeah, that sort of uh, pushback on it. In Houston, Cousin Kev. I think we all expect Porter to take a bit of a step forward this year. But maybe he can't. He did play 32 minutes a night last year and was not a top 100 category league guy on a per-game basis. Now, some of those games were with John Wall, so we looked at him and went, okay, one more year as a starter. No John Wall. He's going to improve. Maybe, despite the protestations of all of his internet relatives... Maybe he's not a generational elite prospect that people keep telling me how good he is. Maybe he's not. In the preseason, he has been unable to get steals, like last season. Doesn't block shots, like last season. Poor rebounder, like last season. Poor field goal percentage, like last season. And guess what? When he gets to the free throw line, it's exactly the same as last season. It's bad. These are all the things that make him a better points league guy than category league guy. We hope there'd be some improvement there, but it wasn't there last year. It hasn't been there in the preseason. So maybe he just ends up being that guy who puts up some nice popcorn-y points and assist numbers inconsistently, and the other stuff never comes. He's not getting to a spot where he's being drafted too high. He's in like the 70s or 80s, but everyone's on him and everyone's expecting this big jump. And maybe he doesn't finish as a top 100 player. I don't think that's outrageous to suggest, given, again, that the same problems from last year have shown up again in the pre... It's preseason, but as I always say, like, if the same shit just keeps happening, maybe that's just what they are. So that, that, is, a, that is a worry. The Pacers have got a bunch of guys there. Karis LeVert, I'm worried about his back. Fractured back, I don't know if he's going to start. I don't know how... I just... I'm super worried. If I get him a pick 100, I'll do it. Otherwise, I'm just not drafting him. Sabonis' so first couple of preseason games were bad. His last preseason game was much better, right? He's averaging just three assists per game in 27 minutes in the preseason. His percentages are better. Like, the numbers are okay. And I guess I'm worried in two, two fronts for Sabonis. I'm worried that the Rick Carlisle factor and slowing the pace down and how he fits on this roster, that's going to reduce his value. Then, yeah, TJ's out and Carousel's out. So that does help Sabonis' numbers. But I'm also worried that maybe he comes out and is somehow better than last year. And then me saying, I'm a bit worried about him makes me look stupid. So I'm worried on both ends. I'm worried that me saying, I'm a bit concerned, makes me look dumb if he comes out and puts up top 10 numbers. I doubt it, but maybe. Or I'm worried that people have, you know, just expected him to get better from where he was last year and they've drafted him too high. And that's sort of like, you know, half, half the population either way. So he's just a big unknown to me. I'm worried about TJ McConnell as well because I expect you know, with a healthy team, which they don't have, with a healthy team that he would not get 27 minutes a night and be a top 70 player like he was last season, McConnell. But now, injuries are, are racking up. Brogdon, Levert, Warren, all hurt. That McConnell's probably going to you know, put those numbers up early. I don't know, again, how, how Carlisle's going to use him. His complete lack of shooting and the way he stifles offense is a real problem. He stifles his own offense as well as other teams' offense, which is, I guess, stifling other teams' offense is good. But I, I just worry that maybe they do find, and just injuries consistently happen, and he does play 27 minutes, and he ends up a top 100 guy again, when I'm not considering him even in the top 150, unless I'm just desperate for assists or steals. And then, of course, TJ Warren, get him late with a draft pick, but 
This dude is a notoriously slow healer. He can't control that. And it's shit for him in his career. But I'm just worried that he's just never going to be able to stay healthy at all. It's a real worry. For the Clippers, Terrence Mann. I tell you what I'm worried about with Terrence Mann is that maybe I've just underprojected him. The fact that Eric Bledsoe is going to start. It going to start doesn't mean 35 minutes. I expect it means 29 minutes, but it could mean 22 minutes. And then Mann plays 31 off the bench. Now, a lot of GMs, are oh, Terrence Mann's going to take this big step forward. Like, I think he was picked by the biggest breakout player by GMs. I believe also the GMs picked uh, Jilly Okafor to be Rookie of the Year or Cam Reddish to have the best career out of his draft class. So, you know what? They don't get it right all the time. Um, but maybe I'm just being... Like, I look at what Terrence Mann did, and he had that really nice yeah, playoff uh, game against the Jazz. And he's, yeah, from where he came from, been a remarkable improvement. And I'm, I'm just skeptical of you know, him taking his game to another level of becoming a top 100 guy. But maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe he just is taking it and he becomes like a seven three-point attempt per game player hitting a 40% and getting five assists and seven rebounds. Uh, maybe, maybe he can do that. I don't think he can, but I'm worried that I'm underprojecting him. I'm a bit worried about the Grizzlies and Steven Adams because I was way off on him to begin the year. I just... I didn't think he showed much in terms of fantasy. I know he didn't show much from fantasy last season. I thought that with Tillman, Jackson, and Clark there in Memphis, he might, and him not being a long-term part of their future at all, he would just be a guy that would play like 24 minutes a night, right? rotate those other centers in, and that's fine. But he's looked great in the preseason, rebounding at a super high level, hitting free throws at a level that's, which I don't expect to continue, but maybe I'm just out. Maybe he can get back to being a top 100 and top 110 player. So if you do need rebounds late, and maybe Adams is an option there. I'm not convinced on it, but maybe I'm just maybe I was just off on that and thinking that yeah he wouldn't be able to have an impact um, for this upcoming season. I'm, I'm not sure. What I am sure about though, if I can just get my screen up on this thing, is that if you have body aches and pains and the stresses of daily life are really getting to you and you need to get through your day tension-free, Theragun might be able to help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. Giggity! It's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Giggity! Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. So try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. That is amazingly cheap, really. Go to therabody.com slash locked on right now and get a Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash locked on. Therabody.com slash locked on. After your big workout session, if you've relieved your muscles with Theragun, you need a protein bar as well. So why would you get one that tastes like you scraped it off the inside of your shoe? Get Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Built Bar comes in an amazing array of flavors. Coconut, Cherry Bar, Sia, Cookies and Cream, Orange, Strawberry, Raspberry, the new flavor, Cherry Lime, the new flavor, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, the new flavor, Apple Almond Crisp. New ones coming out all the time. But these aren't just delicious protein bars. They're also good for you. 17 to 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. So go to built.com, load your cart up with boxes, and get yourself the best tasting and healthy protein bars with Built Bars. Locked on, sorry, not locked on. Locked 15 is the code. 
Built.com is the website. Built Bars are the best tasting protein bars ever. Okay, let's move on to some more worries that I have uh, heading into this season. If my screen would ever um, come back. There we go. All right. Anthony Edwards. We're all just looking at it as a fait accompli that Edwards' second half of the season is who he is now. And there is some weight to put behind that. But maybe he isn't. Maybe he goes back to being a guy that takes way too many shots and is inefficient at doing it. Maybe those high steal numbers from last season don't continue. Now, Edwards is a guy, again, in the preseason, his shooting's been pretty good. Like, he's hitting, what, 40, uh, 47% overall? Unfortunately, he's hitting 18% from three. He's averaging 12 points in 24 minutes. His usage is under 24%. They're not great in indicators or great signs. This is a guy that was unrosterable for the first two months of last season. Yeah, I'm happily getting him in round four. Happily. But I might not be so happy in two weeks' time. What if he comes out and the efficiency is not there and then sharing the ball with Beasley, Russell Towns isn't working and the steals disappear and he just can't hit shots like the start of last season? I think that's all a low chance. But I can't sit here and say, well, I definitely know about Anthony Woods. I definitely know. I know that the 30 games from last season, 35 games from last season is who he is, not the first 35 games where he was piss poor, like he was bad. So that is a little bit of a worry there. For the Pelicans, uh, it's a massive worry, Zion Williamson. Number one, the organization and their obfuscation slash lying. Well, I didn't say he'd be back for the start of the regular season. I said he'd be back in the regular season. Thanks, David Griffin. Um, we had doubts that Zion would be ready for the opening night when he wasn't even running and having another scan, and now he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks. That does not mean he is back in two weeks. This has got to be, it's got to be four to six, I'm guessing. It's, it can't, he can't be back in two weeks. Right, so I worry about drafting him at all. Broken foot, bloke that size. Maybe he's not back till January. TJ Warren's got a broken foot. We don't know when he's back. Mitchell Robinson's got a broken foot. He's coming back now. It took nine months. Zion apparently heard it sometime in the summer. June, July, August. When? I don't know. If he heard it in August... And Griffin said he heard it at the start of summer, then quickly said, that's not true. It was actually in du during summer. And it was before summer league, so it's in July. And seven months from then, whoo, January, February. All right, I'm shit scared. Now, obviously, this helps Jonas Valanciunas. It helps Brandon Ingram for fantasy. It helps Najee Marshall for deeper leagues. It helps Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Trey Murphy's probably going to be a starter now. I would imagine Marshall and Murphy start. But maybe maybe it's Alexander Walker and, and Marshall. I don't know. But it helps all of these guys. Um, I'm worried. I'm also worried about Devontae Graham. He's looked shit out. He's looked so, so bad. Now, he is... One thing that he has going in his favor is he is unafraid to take shots. He will take a ton of threes. And generally, he's hitting 42% of them. That's good. He's hitting 22% of his twos. He cannot finish at the rim. He cannot do anything that's not a three-pointer. He's averaging eight points in 21 minutes a night. He gets nothing defensively. He doesn't rebound. His assists have been really low. Now, you can get him pretty late like most spots, but there was a time when he was being drafted in the 80s, which was insanity to me. But even at that point, I was worried. I go, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just re-misevaluating Graham. Yeah, if you want to get him late, fine. 
I think he. I, I think there's a 50-50 chance he's not even a top 150 guy this year with how bad he's looked you know, combined with what sort of player he is. Although the Zion news probably does help him. Uh, let's look at the Knicks. I'm worried about Julius Randle. Um, I'm worried because for a number of reasons. His coach is insane and he's going to play him a shitload of minutes. He's played 32 minutes a night in the preseason. I know that the Knicks got to the four seed and then they got embarrassingly, embarrassingly bundled out. But Tom, this is crazy. It's insane, mate. And he's averaging yeah, 25, 10 and three and a half. But the three and a half is what sticks out. He averaged a career high by double last year in assists. And we're now with Kemba there and Fournier, who's going to handle it a little bit. If Randall's probably not going to have those same opportunities. He's shooting at a high level, but 50% in preseason from three is not going to stick. I worry that I worry that he's just not going to be able to... Those assists, which kept him ranked so high last year, aren't going to be able to maintain. I also worry about Kemba Walker, who was really good down the stretch for the Celtics. Top 40 fantasy player. And then he's come to New York. He hasn't attempted a single free throw. He's played just two games, 42 minutes total. I worry about how Thibodeau is going to run the rotation, what his minutes are going to be. And maybe somehow after the end of the regular season where he was good, and now he's just lost it. But that's possible when you're 31 and a small guard. That is possible. I don't think that's the case, but I worry that that might happen. So I'm a little bit worried about where um, uh, where Kemba sits. For the Magic, Jalen Suggs has struggled. Am I worried about him long-term as a prospect? No, I'm not. He's averaging five points in preseason on 27% shooting. Like That's obviously shitful. But maybe they just decide to start Cole Anthony, Terrence Ross, and Gary Harris. It would be remarkably short-sighted if Jamal Mosley does that, but maybe they do it. Or maybe Sugg starts, he plays 28 minutes, and his percentages are so bad, he just doesn't get any usage. And he gets sort of pushed off ball a little bit by Cole Anthony, then Fultz returns, and maybe he just can't live up to being like a top 100 fantasy guy this year. It has been absolutely not encouraging whatsoever. He's blocking shots, which is good. But it has not been encouraging in preseason whatsoever for Jalen Suggs. For the Sixers, it's Ben Simmons. Like, is he going to play? He's back with the team. Now there's thoughts that maybe he is unvaccinated, which is just another level of bullshit onto this whole scenario. Is he... Yeah, the only excuse he would have for being unvaccinated if he lived in Australia because we didn't have enough vaccinations for a long time. Although, now we do. Um, Is he going to play? I don't know. I don't know why. Is he going to just fake an injury? Like how? I don't know how any of this stuff works. Of course, I'm just worried. If you want to take him in the 70s or 80s in a draft, by all means. But I have no good sense of how this is playing out. Um, The Blazers... No question about it. I am ready to get hurt again. I really like Yusuf Nurkic. I think he can be a really good player. I think he was dramatically underused by Terry Stotts. His preseason, he's averaging 9 and 10 in 20 minutes. Like that's their okay numbers. He's averaging two assists, 80% from the line on good attempts. So really, really encouraging. But what if Billups decides he's just going to do 25 minutes and run a lot of Larry Nance, although I'm almost equally worried about Larry Nance in Portland, who really is not doing anything. What if Nurk gets hurt? And again, this is the problem. When you have guys that you like that continually have things that go wrong that are out of their control, like Nurkic, 
and another one we're going to talk about later, that you, know, you get pinned with, oh, this is your guy, you love Nurkic so much, why are you so high on Nurkic? And I'm just waiting for him to, you know, to show it over a long period of time that you know, I end up just drafting Nurk in so many areas because I have that faith in him. But what if it's misplaced? Like it, it, it is a worry. Like Cody Zeller is not good. Actually, that's not true. Cody Zeller is absolutely great as a limited minutes backup center. But what if the coaches just don't do the right thing? It worries me. Should have put this at the start, but Kyrie Irving, man, his Instagram live yesterday was insanity. Like the shit that he says is crazy. I've defended Kyrie in many different areas because I, I think he'd been in the right in most of them. And he's extraordinarily generous, but he's saying stuff that is dangerous. And yeah, he can come out and say, I'm not, I'm not anti-vax. I'm just doing it to support this. But you can still support people while getting vaccinated and doing the right thing for public health and for yourself and for everybody. You can still support the others and say, I still respect their choice. And yeah, I, I can still say, he can still say, I think max vaccine mandates are wrong. Again, this is a public health, global health crisis. It's not an individual thing. Um, but he can still get vaccinated and do that shit. So either there's a disconnect in logic, he's a bullshit artist, or I don't even know what the next description is. I was in an auction draft with a bunch of fantasy analysts yesterday. Uh, Jared Johnson was in there. Um, Ryan Knauss, Matt Straup. Um, uh, Alex Raclean was in there. I'm sure there was others. I can't, uh, Raph Johnson was in there. Um, we were doing an auction. And, and Kyrie, I nominated Kyrie early. Like, Let's just get some fun going on. And he was at like 11 bucks. And I went, I'm not going to let someone get in for 11 So I tried to chuck a price enforcement out. Someone put a $12 on. I ended up on 13 And then I got stuck with him. It was my first player that I ended up getting. I went, oh, look, if this guy doesn't play, I've just burnt 13 bucks. That's what happens in an auction. Thankfully, the rest of my draft, I, I killed it. And yeah, my team is strong even without Kyrie. But he, he might not play. Like at all. I, it's feeling like it. I, and it's just, I'm speaking up for the voiceless and all this bullshit. Like you're letting down your fans, your teammates, your employer. Like you're letting all this shit down. Like it's, I don't know what to expect from him. And I say that I probably, I wouldn't draft him. Like I wouldn't have drafted him. There. I was just trying to make sure that price went up. If you want to get him, but you know, $13 equates to like a top 85 type of player. If you want to take him there, again, losing out on that pick doesn't actually matter. So if he doesn't play, oh well. If he does play, then you're probably winning your league by getting him there. But the whole situation is just annoying. For the Kings, um, Rashawn Holmes, he's averaging seven points and five rebounds in 17 minutes. He's not hitting free throws. There's 17 centers on this team. Luke Walton's the worst coach in the NBA. Actually, sorry, he's not. He's the second worst coach in the NBA because Jason Kidd is back. Um, what if, after Holmes was their second best player, clearly last season, after the front office brought him back on the biggest contract they could, even though it was underpriced? What if Luke Walton says, well, how about if we just play Alex Lynn and Tristan Thompson? Like, uh, logic would tell me that that isn't going to happen. But this is Luke Walton. And to be fair to Luke, he was the guy who put Holmes in as a starter. And that was a great move. But, phew, I don't know, man. 
Um, Davion Mitchell. I keep trying to work out, like, how does he get minutes? How does he get minutes? Heald, Fox, Halliburton. They're all there. Terrence Davis could have a rotation role. Do they just play Heald every single one of his minutes at small forward? And that would mean that you have to eliminate Mo Harkless and Marvin Bagley from the rotation? Or maybe. Maybe Mitchell is just this good. I don't think he is. But maybe he's just this good that he's got to play like Halliburton and play 29 minutes a game. Oh, well, they found the room for Halliburton last year. They did. But remember, the Halliburton is still there. So it's you had to find the room for Halliburton behind Fox and Heald, which you did. But now you've got to find the minutes for Halliburton, Fox, and Heald altogether. Oh, maybe they just do it and they just say, Bagley, you're not playing. Harkless, you're not playing. And we have to give Mitchell 28 minutes a night. People are drafting him in like the 12th round of 12-team leagues, which is crazy to me. But maybe I'm just wrong. Maybe he's going to come out and average 2.2 steals per game get 12 points, play 29 minutes. I, I can't figure out how it's going to happen, but maybe it does. So maybe I'm just wrong on that. And I'm just saying, don't. I'm not drafting him. I wouldn't suggest doing it, but I'm just wrong on that. It is a worry for me. All right, San Antonio. Maximum Derek. I like Derek White. I think he's a really good player. He's been shooting horrendously, but, but 26%. I, I don't throw guarantees at you. I 100% guarantee you that he will not shoot 26% for this season. It's a guarantee. It is going to be better. He's still getting his blocks. He's getting five boards and three assists. But shots just won't go in. His usage is 21. I'd like that to be a little bit higher. He's hitting 15% of his threes. Hopefully, what this does is it pushes Derek White way down the draft board a little bit. But he's, again, he's one of those guys, much like a Nurkic or an Isaiah Stewart, that you know that I like as a player and has a real opportunity to, to thrive, um, but ends up sometimes going too high. Like, you want to take him in like that dickhead did in that mock draft the other day that I did, where he took him in the second round. Like, mate, you're an idiot. If you want to take him in round four, it's too high. If he slides into the 60s or 70s, I think that's great value for Derek White. But I'm a little bit worried that maybe instead of being a guy that was, yeah, 45, 46 for so many years of his career that maybe he's a 42% shooter, which does change things a little bit. Let's go to the Raptors. I'm a bit worried about Fred Van Vliet. Like, we all expect him to take a big step forward this year with no Kyle Lowry. I'm not sure. 20% usage in preseason. The shooting is going to be... He can't hit free throws, apparently, which is weird. He's still getting five assists and 1.3 steals. I think he'll be pretty good still, but what if he's not able to live up to being that top 20 guy? And he just doesn't take that usage spike that we expect. And maybe he does play off ball because it looks like they're going to start Goran Dragic next to him. And then Scotty Barnes. Now, the narrative, the false narrative is that I hate Scotty Barnes and that I hate the Raptors. It is completely untrue. I just wouldn't have picked Scotty Barnes at number four in the draft. And I still stand by that. I wouldn't do that. His passing has been great in the preseason. I like what he does defensively. I still hate the shooting and the, the other offensive parts of it. I don't think it's good at all. And I worry about that. Yeah, I think he's going to play 30 minutes a night for the first few weeks of the season. I struggle to see them playing him 30 continually because it would mean that he would have to start next to Ananobi and Siakam. Um, and then where the hell does you know, Trent and Dragic, where do they fit? Where does the front court mix of Boucher, Achua, Birch all fit? Though I, I think he's maybe like a 26, 27 minute a night guy. I, I fear, I worry that he's getting overdrafted, but I also worry that maybe I'm just wrong. 
Maybe I'm wrong, and he is going to be this guy that puts up like Draymond Green numbers as a rookie. I, again, it feels really hard for me to envisage that as I try to sit down, and I encourage you all to do it. Get a bit of paper and do 240 minutes for the Raptors and try and work out how they all get minutes or enough minutes to justify how this team goes. And it is hard to find 30 for him. But maybe they do. And maybe they just say, well, Dragic, you're just playing 18, or Trent, you're playing 15 minutes a night. Uh, Boucher, you're playing 15 and 9. Because they're the sort of decisions that would have to be made to get him to that level. And then lastly, in Washington, um, I'm a bit worried about Daniel Gafford. I'm Look, 10 and 8 in 22 minutes in preseason with two blocks and 64% shooting is bang on what we expect. Absolutely, that is what he provides. I would hope that they would just want to play him 25 minutes a night, but they're going to give Montrez Harrell a good run. But I worry about Gafford that... What if when Tom Bryant comes back, they stupidly decide to just take him out of the rotation and then you've burnt a round nine pick on a guy that doesn't play half the season? I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm not fully taking that out of uh, the realms of possibility. And then Spencer Dinwiddie, who I've been... I don't think critical is the right word, but you know, I think on ESPN he was ranked at like 50th or whatever it was, which was crazy to me. Yes, a bigger opportunity for Spencer. The usage will be up. He's averaging 12 and 5 in preseason in 23 minutes. But he's a below average field goal shooter, free throw shooter, three point shooter, three point volume guy, rebound player, steals and blocks guy. There's just so many negatives. But what if, what if in a new role, all of a sudden everything improves? And I look stupid for saying, well, I'm not taking him inside the top 90 or top 100. So I guess that's my worry with um, Spencer Dinwiddie. Guys. That's it. They're the guys that I'm worried about. Or they're the situations that I'm worried about in the NBA. Is there any, do you have any others? If you do, drop them in the comments below. Uh, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And don't forget to find your favorite Locked On podcast for your favorite team, whether that's hockey, which season has started, football, season has started, baseball, playoffs are on, college sports, or the NBA. Go and find your favorite team and listen to that podcast. And if you are on YouTube, they're here, there as well. Hit the thumbs up on my channel. Subscribe. Leave a comment down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.